So there's two people that I want to introduce to you. And the first, the first person is a guy named Peter. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you know who Peter is. If you haven't, he's Peter. Okay. Now, Peter, we see has three different names, um, Simon, Peter, and Cephas. Okay, Paul typically refers to him as Cephas. We see Jesus say, hey, your name was Simon. I'm going to call you Peter now. And, and th- there's some things that we can pick up and learn about Peter. Now, um, Peter does some things that are absolutely amazing. And Peter does some things that are just stupid. Okay, so let's look at some of the stupid things, right? Um, so Peter is literally told by Jesus, you're going to fail and deny me three times. He says, you're going to do this. Peter says, no, I'm not. Then Peter does it. (laughs) Okay. Um, Jesus at one point calls Peter Satan. Now, I don't know how you recover from that. Um, (laughs) Like that would be the end for me. But, uh, but somehow Peter recovers from Jesus saying you're Satan. Okay. Um, now he wasn't actually Satan, but he was acting like Satan. Um, Peter in the worst display of swordsmanship cuts off a guy's ear, um, Because he was angry and trying to defend Jesus, he had a temper. Um, But we also know that Peter, there were some great things about Peter, some amazing things. Jesus says, you're my rock. I'm going to start the church. You're you're my rock. Peter does incredible healings. He was bold. He was passionate. He was one of the main leaders uh, of the beginning church. And, And when you really actually look at Peter holistically, his resume is pretty amazing. I mean, he actually walked on water. Um, which is, which is pretty, pretty cool. And so Peter's one of the guys. The other guy is a guy named Barnabas. Now Barnabas is the guy that's this compassionate. He's the one that's reaching out to people. He's the one that gives people a second chance. He's the one when, when people discard someone, he's the one who goes and gets them. We see him having a dramatic impact on Paul's life. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And, and, and he defended Paul. When, when Paul first started following Jesus, Paul was passionate. He was preaching in Jerusalem. And people were like, whoa, wait a second. You were going after us. Now you're preaching. Who are you? Barnabas is the one who defended him. When Paul left and, 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 and really took this season in his hometown to, to really figure out what his calling was, Barnabas is the one that went and got him and brought him along for ministry. He's very, very loyal. So loyal, in fact, to a guy named Mark that he was willing to go toe-to-toe with Paul because Paul thought, no, he shouldn't go with us on this missionary journey. No, I don't want him. And Barnabas said, no, I want him. And, and it was, he believed in him so strongly that it caused his and Paul's relationship to separate for a season. And so with that in mind, you understand these two individuals. They're, they're two of the main characters that we're going to look at. In Galatians 2, verses 11 through 13, we, we, we step into this situation, into this story. And in Galatians 2, 11, it says this. But when Cephas, now remember Cephas, this is Paul talking, it's, it's Peter. When, but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. 
Now, the setting here, there's, there's been dissension among the Jewish Christian uh, community over Gentiles, Gentiles, non-Jewish individuals. I'm very thankful that, that they were able to get the gospel because that opened the door for me to get the gospel. But there was big dissension over the reality that they're now experiencing salvation and, and being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Jewish Christians had a problem with it because they were saying, hey, they also need to obey the law and they need to be circumcised. So the issue really, the heart of this issue is, is salvation attached with with works and, and obedience or is it by grace alone? And it's a big deal. It was very divisive. It still is divisive. And, and, and we see that it was already clarified. It was said, um, they, they went back to the church um, in Jerusalem and it was declared, no, 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 the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Spirit. Let's not hinder what God is doing. And so it was declared that, yes, they're good, but, but you know, just because things are agreed upon doesn't mean that actually everyone agrees upon it. There's been a lot of decisions that have been made, that decisions were made, but you didn't necessarily agree with them. The decision was just made. And so we see that part of the reason these Jewish uh, Christians disagreed so much and was, was simply because they had grown up a, in a very specific way. Okay, now, now here's what's... Here's what's important. You need to understand, whenever you open uh, this book and, and you start reading the Bible, you need to understand that there is a setting, there is a background to what's happening. And so for these Jewish Christians, they've been raised a certain way. And so their opinion, their view comes from being raised, this is how you do it. Now, when you look at your life, I think for all of us, we have paths, right? We have different paths. I shared my past a little bit. Some of you have different paths and, and you have uh, different histories, different friendships, your, your families look very different. And there's a lot that was established in you, good or bad, at an early age. A lot of you. I think you look at how you were raised. I think you look at uh, the friends you had. How, how you treat people has a lot to do with your background. Your relationships that you have with other people or don't have with other people. Your work ethic your faith, your, your religious practice. And I think many of us, when we come to this understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for us, I think a lot of us had to look and reflect at our past, at what we've been through, at our thoughts and opinions that we have right now and say, man, if I'm going to go all in with Jesus, I need to change some of this. And so I think I speak for a lot of us when I say there were some things that had to change in my life in order to, for me to really experience all that Jesus had for me. Unfortunately, I think I speak for most of us when I say, though, that I still struggle. I still struggle with a lot of the things that, honestly, I struggled with before I gave my life to Jesus. There's thoughts that I'll have in my mind, and they just pop up. And I go, ah, what, ah, that's horrible. Where'd that come from? There's things that'll just come out of my mouth. Hopefully not today. And, and it'll just come out of my mouth. And, and some of you know, it just comes out. And you're like, and it's out. It's gone. And that happens sometimes. You know, there, there's, there's moments like that. And, and, uh, and I think we've experienced those, especially some of you dependent on your history. And, you know, um, my wife did not know me um, before I was a pastor. And so throughout hanging out with friends that, that I'd either grown up with or were part of my college, she started to meet uh, the friends that, that used to be my close friends. 
And, and I remember uh, it was after one of those um, dinners or weekends that we were hanging out with some old friends of mine, and, and uh, I think it was about seven or eight years ago. And, 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 and she, we, were, we got up the next morning, she just looked at me, and, and she just said, do you know how different you act with them than when you're ministering? Now, there's certain people you go, eh, but then, like, with your wife, you're like, mm. So what so, aha. She was right. And I, and I think about that, and, 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 and obviously she wasn't like, aha. She was coming at it because she loves me, she cares about me. And I started thinking about that, and, 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 I, and I was thinking, like, like, why would I do that? Because I know that when I started hanging out with my friends, I wasn't like, hey, God, hold on. Let's take a time out, okay? Like, like let's, let's just stop this whole pastor Jesus follower for like, I don't know, two hours. Then I'll come back. We'll be right back where we were. And now I'm going to act like this. Or I'm going to say this. Okay, God, are we good? All right, sweet. No, I wasn't doing that. What I was doing was just naturally regressing back into conversations, a thought life that was a part of my life before Jesus. And so I wasn't actively saying, hey, Jesus, I want to disobey you right now, okay? So I'm going to do that. No, I wasn't, do, I wasn't saying that. What happened is I got caught up in something that, that, that yes, I knew, but, but, but guess what? I just got caught up in it, and there I am in a situation talking, acting in a way that doesn't reflect what I really believe what I'm really passionate about. And I think some of us, we, we, we've experienced this. And, and, and what I really had become was a chameleon Christian. I was just adapting to my surroundings. And so my wife said, hey, you need to know this is happening. Stop. And I think some of us just need to hear that today. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 12, it, it says this. It says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stand take heed lest he fall. And I think for some of us, especially some of us that, that honestly we think we're doing, we're like, we're like man, I'm, I'm really starting to hit this whole Christian thing out of the park. Like, like I'm really starting to, to look the part, play the part. Like, you know, when he said prayer warrior earlier, I kind of perked up. You know, like, I, I, think, I, I think I'm ready for this. And, and I think sometimes we just naturally start going, man, like, like I'm really like, God you're, God, you're blessed that you got me, you know. And, uh, and we start just acting in a way that honestly communicates that, that I'm not going to fall. Or that I'm above that. Or that can't happen to me. And, and by, by the ramifications of that verse, if you are acting or thinking that way, you're already in the process of falling. And, 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 and I, and I want to just encourage some of you and, just to, and, and ask you to just look. Because I think a lot of times we start to fall. And I think a lot of times in churches we make it dramatic. Like, like, like you fall. But in reality, I don't think we fall like that very much anymore. I think, honestly, it's a slow, steady fall. And for most of us, we don't even know it. For most of us, we just start being okay with things that we weren't okay with years ago. But for whatever reason now, it's not so bad. Or for whatever reason now, like, oh, no, 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 you don't know me. I've changed. I can deal with that. For some of us, we just need the reality check today that, no, you can't deal with that. Like it wrecked you once, it can wreck you again. There's just certain things in our lives that, that have to change and they have to stay changed. 
There's certain people that, that just need to understand and know that, that at any point in time, I can fail. I have to always think I can fail at any point in time. Because the moment I start thinking I've arrived or I've got this is the moment I start falling. And I want to just encourage some of you because maybe you're not like, oh, man, I wrecked my life. I wrecked my marriage. My kids don't like me. All this stuff. You may not be there yet, but you may be at the beginning of that fall. And if you just this morning get a reality check there, it was worth me being here. And so we, we look at that. In, in this church at Galatia, uh, they, they'd have these meals together. And they'd have the Jews and, and the Gentiles would come together and they'd have these meals together. And, and some of the Jews uh, from Jerusalem, from the main church there in Jerusalem, they come into town. And they come into town and they come with their ways, their opinions, their views. They walk into this church and they, and they see this meal. And what do they do? They get the people to start sitting and segregating the meal. We're going to have the Jews over here, Gentiles over there. And so they, they, they start doing this. Now, here's the thing that is so dangerous that's important for us to see. Peter and Barnabas get caught up in this. Now, these, are two, these aren't just like ho-hum guys. These are leaders of the church. These are main players. These are people like, like Peter was instrumental in bringing the Gentiles the gospel. Barnabas, like, like these are two individuals that you look at this setting, you look at this situation, and you go, how in the world did that happen? Because what they were saying by their actions is, you're not good enough. You're, 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 kinda, you're kind of a Christian. Like, not really. You're not, like, legit. And I look at that, and I go, man, how, how did that happen? You know, in, in John chapter 12, there's a situation surrounding Jesus' life. In John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, people are, people are like, man, I want to go all in with Jesus. And in 42, though, we see, we see what happens, though, along with that. In verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Man, they loved the approval of people more than the approval of God. Now, is it wrong to, to love the approval of people? No, no, it's not. Like, like, like I, I hope, you know, like... I. I don't, I don't want you guys to like go, man, I hated that guy. Like, like, I don't think any of us, like, I don't want to go to work and be like, oh my goodness. Like, 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 I don't care, boss. I don't care what you think. <laughs> approval of God, not you. You're going to get fired. Okay. So you should care about the approval to a degree. Um, if you're married, you shouldn't be like, hey, honey, park that. I'm about God. Don't do that. You will be by yourself, okay? Um, and, and so, and so do, is, is the approval of people bad? No, it's not. The approval of people it becomes bad when it becomes more to me than God. When their approval means more to me than God's approval of me. That's when it crosses this line. And that's what you see happening with these individuals here. And that's what you see happening with this church. 
and Paul and Barnabas in particular. And I think for some of us, we just, we just need to be aware. You know, we get so caught up trying to look like other people to, to fit in and, and to gain their approval. And I think for some of us, it's just, we just want to fit in. And a lot of times we end up fitting in so much that all of a sudden our lives just start to contradict what God has called us to be. Or we start to just contradict what actually Jesus has called us to be. Or we start contradicting looking like Jesus, who we originally said we want to look like. And, 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 and it's interesting how af, as we go down this path, we start to act like, oh, it's okay because I can just do both. Like, I can do both. You know, God, God, you're here and you're part of my life, but living this way as well, this is, this is fine. This is okay, God. So, so I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do both because like salvation is by grace, huh? Huh? And it's free. And so God, I'm just going to live in that. And by living in that, I mean, I get my best with your best. Okay, God. And so we start living a life that, that, that kind of looks like that. And, 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 and I think for some of us, we're, we're, we're there today. I think for some of us, we're, we're like, you know, God, you are awesome. You are a part of my life and all this. But, but God, I'm glad you're a part of my life. Because by how I live my life, by how I look at other people, by how I want to fit in so bad, and I want to be so badly approved by other people, even more so than God, that I actually take his agenda outside of his agenda. It becomes about me, my agenda. And then I say, hey, God, get in the car. Let's go. And Paul comes into this situation. He walks in, in Galatians 2, verses 14 through 21. Paul sees this, and he addresses it. He says this, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm. In the modern translation, Paul just goes off on them and really reestablishes what they're about and why they're there and why we're here. Brings them back to the heart of the gospel. And one of the things that's really interesting that he says there is he says, rebuilding what you've torn down. I want want you to think about that because I think that's big for us today. Because some of us are acting like, right now, we're acting like there's things that we tore down that we didn't actually need to tear down because they're back in our life. So there's things right now in my life that I said when I said, I love you, Jesus, 
I want you to be a part of my life. I'm going all in with you. I tore that down because I was like, no, I can't have this. This is not what this was not what you want for me. This is not your best for me. And so I tore it down. But all of a sudden in my life is back. And I'm acting like it's okay now. Whereas when I first was like, Jesus, let's go, I knew that that was not going to be a part of my life because it shouldn't be a part of my life. But for whatever reason now is back. And he says, why are you really rebuilding what you've torn down? Like that should have, that's done. You knew it was done. You know the why. I don't need to re-explain it, but I will. But you should not have that in your life. Why have you rebuilt that? We tore that down. I want to encourage some of you in your lives. There are things in your lives right now that you have slowly, secretly been rebuilding. And, and you tore it down. You originally tore it down. You said, no, you will have no place in my life. It could be all kinds of different things. That's the beauty of being a guest speaker. I don't know what all your crap is. I don't know. Okay. But for whatever reason, we've started to rebuild it. And when you actually look at some of the pieces in your life, some of the things there, you can actually see slowly over time, you have started to rebuild this and it started to become a a piece of your life again. And for whatever reason, now it doesn't bother you. How do we arrive there? There's, there's this misconception over time when you follow Jesus that you start to, to, to justify and be okay with things that you weren't okay with before. And I think that's something that we need to just go back to the heart of the gospel because we see two incredible individuals, Peter and Barnabas, get caught up in this. That is something that we would never say would be them or represent them or what they believe. And yet, for whatever reason, they were doing it. There are certain things in our lives that we are a part of or that we do, or maybe we don't verbally say we do, but we actually do, or maybe we think it. And we have that be a part of our life. And if someone was describing you, if you wanted to describe you, you would say, I don't want anything to do with that. But for whatever reason, you're okay with it being a part of your life. And it's weird how just over time, something that, that we, we knew was bad is now something that's just okay. It's just okay. And so we, we have this like, like, it's okay, God. It's okay for both of us to just do this together. And Paul brings it back to the gospel. What does he say? It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives through us. Like, like, like there's this massive misconception that, hey, you can do both. Like you can do both. Both doesn't work. It's a contradiction because he's God. You're not. And when you think about it, like what is baptism a picture of? Like, like what is baptism picture? A baptism is not, Hey, Hey, you're good. So let's show everyone how good you are. No baptism is like done with the old you like to death. And for some of us, it was like, they held us down even longer. Because it really needed to be dead, okay? Like, like it was like, and then some people came and like, you know. Um, in San Diego, when we baptized people, uh, we had to be careful because we do it in the ocean. And so when the waves would come, you had to be careful because um, my first time baptizing someone in the ocean, the wave came in, boom, and then they just shot out of my hands. And it was like, and uh, I just looked around. I was like, man, they had a lot of sin, lots of it. Lots of it. Go get all that off. Um, but baptism is a picture of out with the old, in with the new. This didn't work. Death to this. 
life to this. The life I now live through Jesus Christ. He's my focal point. He's, he's what I'm going for. That's, that's the picture of baptism. And baptism is like, I want everyone to know that. I want everyone to know that about me. And so I, I want you to think about like, like just the reality of, of, of what we're communicating, though, by some of our words, some of our actions that, that, that oh, no, that was a great reality, baptism. But, hey, I can still kind of do, you know, this God plus me thing. Let's not rebuild what we've torn down. Let's not rebuild it. Let's keep it down. Okay, like, like if you're in the process of rebuilding something, and some of you are slowly right now in the process of starting to justify something that you have no business justifying, I want to encourage you, kick it. Get rid of it. Maybe you have never tore something down, and you know deep down it's, it's destroying you. And it may not be visible, but it's destroying your mind, it's destroying your heart, it's destroying your ability to come in here and just with pure and purpose, worship and engage with God. And you need to tear that down. You know, my, my boys, um, one's four, one's two. The four-year-old loves to, like, let the two-year-old know that, hey, dad's gone right now, so I'm kind of the boss. And so my two-year-old will be, like, building this little block tower thing. And, and every once in a while, the four-year-old will just walk up to him, look at him, and go, bam! And just, you know, I think some of us need to do that with some of the things in our lives. It's like, it's like we're just building this thing up slowly. And instead of just being like, oh, my goodness, oh, what did I, oh. Like, I think we just need to walk up to it and just go, that doesn't belong here. That doesn't belong in my life. That doesn't belong the direction of where I want to go. It says the life I now live by faith in Jesus, and that's how I want to live now. That's, he's the grid. He's the grid that every decision goes through is Jesus. He's the one I run through with decisions, with my thoughts, with my feelings. I run it through the lens of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're about. That's what this church is about. If you want to follow Jesus, it is a directional change in life. I just feel like we've gotten to the point and I hear these people present the gospel and they want to present it in such a way to convince you to want it. And, and, and to convince people to want it, they make it just so easy and just so like, oh, oh, you can do all that still. Like, and it doesn't matter. Like, like, but just say this prayer with me. Ready? Go. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't even understand it because when I came to a relationship with Jesus, I needed Jesus. Like when I came to him, it wasn't like, whoo. No, it was like, I need you. Me doesn't work. I need you. And, and, and I want to encourage some of us to come back to that place. It is a directional shift. Does it mean that, that your life, you wake up after receiving Jesus and you're perfect? Does it mean that you never make a mistake again? Does it mean that you have to first go through every area of your life and fix everything in order for you to make him the Lord and Savior of life? No. It is just an act of surrender. The problem is, I think a lot of us have acted like, hey, there's the bus stop. I'm going to go there, and, and, and God is the bus driver, and he's going to get me to where I want to go. So you just, like, get on the bus. No, 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 no. He's, he's, he's on the other side of the street, and he's driving in another direction. And when we talk about going all in with Jesus, it's not him getting you to your preferred destination. It's him getting you to his preferred destination for you, which is the best destination for you. 
I didn't draw up the map, the life plan for myself. Like I've tried that before. I've done that. I've been to those seminars. Okay. Like, like what God has done in my life is incredible because it's God. It's not me. I know what Steve does to his life. It's not good. What God has done is amazing. And when I go home, when I get in the car, even if those kids are mad at me, I'm like, man, I get to be a dad. I got a wife here. I, man, I get, to, I get to talk about Jesus. I get to share about his love. Am I, am I perfect? Oh, my goodness, no. My driving's awful. <laughs> but it's, it, it's not about my driving anymore. And I think that's something you need to hear too because some of you are trying to steer your thing. Like, like it's about me getting into the passenger seat and allowing God to steer. See, it's not about this performance thing. It's just about letting him drive. The problem is we don't, we don't want to really do that. And so by not doing that, we actually fail to experience the thing we preach about, which is freedom, hope, peace. You experience that when he's the driver. When I was in driver's ed, um, and uh, when I was 15, I think is when they did that. I think they still do that at 15. But I, I was in driver's ed, and, and, and I remember I was driving, and, uh, and, I, and the instructor's in the car with me. So you're just like, bam, and you're like, you know, everything, you know, just trying to do it perfectly. And I remember I'm pulling up to this, this thing, and, and, uh, and, and I remember the, the, the car, like, starts slowing down. And I'm like, I didn't touch the brake. What is, what is happening? And then I like look at him and I look down and he's got his own little break right there. I'm like, like, dude, you don't, sur- you didn't surrender your life to me, man. Like, like, you got your little safety break there. I think some of us got a safety break. I think some of us have like said, God, I want to go on with you. I surrender. I give you the steering wheel, but you're sitting in the passenger seat with your little break. And God says, uh-uh. Let's not do that. Go all in with me. I'm worthy. I love you. I have a plan for you that will dwarf your plan for you. And so I just want to encourage you, go all in with Jesus. He's so worth it. He loves you. And he, he's not looking for perfect people. Like, listen, if you needed to be, if you needed to be like perfect, you would miss out on why you need God. And so I want to encourage any of you in here that's never felt like you really could because you felt like you haven't measured up, like allow God to meet you in your most messed up state. Allow him to meet you there. There is not one situation in here that we read about where, where it like hides failure. Why is it? Why does this show us failure? Why did, why did it show us what Peter and Barnabas did here? Why? <laughs> to show you the humanity, to show you what brings us back to Jesus. And I think it's awesome that he does that because I know that I am going to make some mistakes. And the beauty of, of understanding and seeing that God does not hide the mistakes of the people that were like, oh my goodness, Peter, the, the, I'm so thankful for that because in my mistake, I know that he'll meet me there and he's not done with me yet. You guys, he's not done with you yet. You're here, you're breathing, you're alive. Look at this church. This is a story of, of God. It's not a story of you. And your life can be a picture of you or a picture of him. It's your choice. I want to invite you in to get into the passenger seat, breaking out the brake pedal and just being like, I'm in. Let's go. Let's pray. God. God, you are so good. God, for some of us, we just, 
We just need to know not only who you are, but, but what you're really about. And, and God, I think for some of us, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a surrender that needs to happen today. God, for some of us, we've started to rebuild some things that, that needed to remain torn down. For some of us, God, we need to tear down some things that we've never torn down before. God, for some of us, we just need to come to the reality that we need to be aware that we are living in a way that is a little dangerous right now when it comes to following you and experiencing your best for us. And God, for anybody in this room with just control issues, God, and, and, and control issues that are causing us to go, man, why don't I get all out of the Bible that I heard, that I hear preached about? Why, why don't I experience this peace, this freedom? Why don't I feel that way? God, we're not feeling that way because we're still in control. God, freedom comes through you, not us. Bondage comes through us. And so, God, I just pray that for some of us, we would, we would totally reshape that when it comes to you, surrender actually means a transaction of my best for your best. And that, God, we would be willing to make that exchange today. We love you so much, God. You're the reason we're here. If there's anyone that doesn't know you this morning, God, I pray that they would come to an understanding and, Lord, that they would give you their life. In Jesus' name, amen.